Very kind of you. And uh, I just want to say again, a massive welcome to, to all of you um, and a huge welcome. If this is your first time with us at Revelation Church, I'm Duncan, by the way, as Bethany just mentioned. Um, if you missed me at the beginning, it is so good to have you with us. So pleased that you could make it today. Um, welcome to the family. It's great to have you here. And I also want to say just on the back of Robin's uh, notice there about giving, a huge thank you to everybody. I know a number of people uh, stepped up their giving or started giving for the first time as we talked about coming here to the powerhouse. This is our second Sunday. Um, a huge thank you to everybody. I know there has been sacrificial giving going on to, uh, to step into this new fa- uh, phase for us. Um, we'll be able to share more details about what that looks like and the, the results, I guess, of that down the line as, um, as things become a bit clearer. But we already know that people have been generous and sacrificial in it, so thank you. Uh, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today, um, and so we're going to dive into it in just a moment. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, um, we're going to read. Um, and so let's jump straight into it. I'm going to be reading from the ESV version. Um, my mistake, preacher's error. I didn't give them the full number of verses, I don't think. So I don't, verse 6 might not come up. Oh, but it will. I'm getting the thumbs up. So here we go. Full passage is going to be on the screens behind me. Here are Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your eye. And then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. I don't know if you've ever heard a a passage that a sermon is going to be on and just think, oh man, I wish I didn't come to church today. I think for many of us, this passage really strikes close to the bone. And it's all right for you guys watching online. You can just disconnect and pretend it didn't happen. All of everybody in the venue here is stuck. They've got to listen and they've got to, it, it, it hits us, this passage, and it convicts us. And I think particularly this last year in COVID has been a good year or a bad year, however we want to look at it, for judgmentalism. That how... It, how I don't know about you, but I found it so easy when I have felt like oh, I've, I've been t- making a lot of sacrifices in my life, staying at home, keeping the rules as best as I can. And then you turn the TV on and you see, I don't know, at various points, queues of cars going to Mount Snowdon or beaches absolutely packed. And it's hard to then not feel a sense of these people aren't keeping the rules and they should be condemned. But of course, it's not just the last year where this has come to the fore. The age of a judgmental spirit, I guess, is the one that we live in, and it seems to be everywhere. A TV show that, um, that Hannah and I have watched actually quite a lot over the, uh, the, the, the years that have gone, and remember, don't judge, 
but it has been Gogglebox that we have watched quite a lot. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. If you haven't, the premise of it sounds absolutely terrible. It is you are watching a TV show about people watching TV shows. You're literally watching their reactions to various shows that have been on in that past week. And if you start, if you think that idea sounds like the death of culture, uh, then you'd probably be right. And so you are essentially watching armchair critics of, uh, of, of TV shows, eating snacks and giving their opinions on, on, on what they're watching. And it is almost without fail, completely condemnatory, sarcastic, judgmental, down to the level of the people that are watching, politicians or whoever, reality TV stars, if you can call them stars, don't know, giving personal attacks on them and this is judgmentalism as entertainment and of course it almost comes to the height in the rise of what is called cancel culture in today's today's age where someone says or does something that's a group of people on the internet decide that they don't like or don't agree with and the social media mob starts to go after them and try and get this person I don't know fired or uh, hound them and abuse them so that they leave social media and that they they don't have a voice they whatever it takes so that that individual knows they are condemned they are guilty you are cancelled. And whether you've heard of that phenomenon or not, increasingly this is the culture that we live in. A culture where there is no possibility for forgiveness, no grace, no second chance, no even right to reply. Sorry, you are cancelled, forever condemned. We live very much in a culture of judgmentalism. And so these words that Jesus speak speak right into our cultural moment. And so they speak right into our hearts, because each of us, we are to some extent shaped by this culture that we live in. And so today's message, if it hasn't already, is likely to convict you, cause you discomfort. But what we're going to see as we go through it is that Jesus doesn't want to leave us in a place of conviction and discomfort that he wants to bring conviction so that he can lead us into freedom and into the life of flourishing that the Sermon on the Mount is all about. In verse 1, Jesus' main and really only point could not be clearer. Judge not that you be not judged. The NIV has it slightly clearer for our our ears, perhaps, as do not judge. And the word judge here that Jesus is using in the Greek, it has actually quite a wide usage um, throughout the, the Greek language. But here it is clear that Jesus is using it in a way where he is talking about assuming a position of moral superiority in order to condemn someone. So what he's saying is this is talking about us setting up a, if you like, a a private law court in our own heart where we get to set the standard and then we can then judge and hence condemn people according to our own standard and our own measures. And so Jesus here is talking into a matter of the heart. This is not necessarily something that is on display at all times. It's why we can often get away with it. 
And he's here continuing a theme that we see throughout the Sermon on the Mount, and we've encountered many times through our series so far, that Jesus is not just interested in the way that we treat people, but he's interested in the way that we think. Jesus here, just to bring a bit of context to the whole series, he sat on a mountaintop starting to open up. It's early on in Matthew's gospel, early on in his ministry, beginning to open up his way, beginning to open up the way of the kingdom that he has come to bring, the way, the heavenly order of Jesus Christ down into earth. And he is opening up, as we saw from the very beginning, blessed are those. He is opening up the blessed life, the good life, the flourishing life, the satisfied life. Saying, if you follow my, my life, my way, you enter into the kingdom. You will truly find life to its fullest. The best life that is possible. The eternal existence of joy begun to be lived out now here on earth in our every day. And he says that you can find this life by obediently giving yourself over to following my way. But as we have seen throughout the series, that means giving yourself over to following Jesus wholeheartedly, giving the whole of yourself, which is what makes this sermon deeply provocative for us. Because Jesus isn't just after correct behavior. He's not just after us modifying the externals and how we might act with one another. Jesus, in throughout this whole sermon, he is making a claim on our whole being. He wants to get hold of the whole of us and see us changed. Every part of us, our actions, our emotions, even our inner thoughts and our heart attitudes to go right into the very interior of our being to see us changed. Two weeks ago, Nat, I think, did a superb job of opening up, do not be anxious Again, another interior position of our heart doesn't necessarily have any implications on our behavior. But Jesus goes right into our heart. And here again, do not judge. Because he cares on a deep level who we are. Jesus doesn't just want us to behave as good disciples. He wants to lead us into wholeness, and see the whole of our person redeemed. And with that in mind, we go into verse 2, where Jesus says this, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus here, in two ways, is repeating pretty much the same thing. That essentially he is, for emphasis, repeating the same idea And it is, if you judge people, you will be judged. There's no way that we can get around it. This is a warning from Jesus. That here we should begin to receive and start to hear the seriousness of Jesus' words. I think it can be really easy for us to give judgmental hearts a pass in today's age. That I think, often we can think to ourselves, well, if I'm really, really careful, no one's going to see it anyway. It doesn't come out in any kind of context. And to be honest, even if it does and it slips out and I perhaps find myself gossiping or feeling superior to someone and kind of it falls out in my language, 
to be honest, it's so the air that we breathe in, it's everywhere, that nobody's going to call me out on it. And to be honest, I think even in Christian circles, you can often hear that language of, oh, I don't mean to judge, but dot, dot, dot. And I think we can think of it very much as a lesser sin. I think, oh, it's, it's not really hurting anybody. And it's, I know it's a problem, but it's a minor problem. And I will get to it one day. But here Jesus is saying that there's nothing lesser about judging others. That if we continue in a heart attitude of inwardly condemning other people, he says here, we will face the judgment of God. It's severe. Now, Jesus here, he's not delving into then a, a theological explanation and a doctrinal position on what the divine judgment looks like. That's not his point here. But what he's looking to do is to elicit a reaction within us, to grab hold of us and for it to, to get our attention so that we would start to see the weightiness of this matter that we can so easily pass over even in our own hearts. And of course, Jesus is not just trying to be sensational. He's not trying to grab the headlines of the Jerusalem Gazette or whatever. He is shocking us to show us a better way. And that's where he leads us to in verses three and four, where he says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye. And this is an image that I'm sure you have at least come across at some point in your life. You, you've, you've encountered it. You've probably heard it. This, without any, any, any doubt at all, this is Jesus using humor to try and bring his sermon to life and to help people grasp the point that he's trying to make. Most likely, Jesus was a carpenter by trade and that that is what he had learned to do. And what he's referring to here is he's saying, that when you're getting a splinter, a tiny bit of wood in your eye as a carpenter was a pretty regular thing. They didn't have those fancy goggles that you can get nowadays and those back then. So he would, he would often be getting splinters in his eye. But what he's now saying is, oh, it's just like that, a tiny little wooden splinter, but instead of that, an entire log coming out of your eye. And the word that is used in the Greek is that for a timber frame of a house. That is the kind of, it, Helena's reaction is correct, the laughter. That is what Jesus is trying to elicit, the idea of, instead of someone just trying to like steadily blink out just a tiny little bit of wood, a whole timber beam protruding from their face and coming out is what Jesus wants you to picture. He wants you to picture it in all of its grotesqueness. And just like, what would that even look like? He wants you to imagine just the weirdness of it. And quite frankly, just the plain comedic value of someone trying to stumble through life with this thing coming through their head. That is what Jesus is painting for us. And again, it's humorous and it's memorable. 
Think of all of the things that Jesus is talking about in his sermon. Perhaps as he's gone on through the the sermon, people are just starting to drift. Maybe a few people are just nodding off. This would grab their attention. And as they went home to their houses in the surrounding areas, this would be one of the things that would stay in their mind and, and live with them. They'd remember the illustration. They'd remember the point that Jesus was making. This is something Jesus wanted people to get hold of and make sure they didn't forget. And the point that Jesus is making here is that when we find ourselves looking at others with eyes of judgment, the main issue that Jesus is trying to address and that he wants to deal with is never with them. That when we spot sin in others, when we are then tempted to condemn, perhaps tempted to feel self-righteous and proud with respect to them, Jesus is saying there is, he is indeed revealing sin that needs to be dealt with. We should be focused on the sin. We should be ruthlessly wanting to point it out. But Jesus is saying it's not the speck in someone else's eye that needs dealing with and requires attention. It is the log that is in your own eye that he wants us to be aware of. A log that we, he says here, have no idea is there. Verse 3, he says, you do not notice. You do not notice that a log is in your own eye. What he's saying is that when you are judging the behavior of others, when you're judging, sorry, you are behaving as though you are the only one that can properly see, the only one that can properly spot and discern what is right and wrong. But what Jesus is saying is, no, no, you have a log in your own eye. Three times he has to point that out to them throughout these verses. Three times he has to say, you have a log in your own eye and you are completely unaware of it. I am having to point it out to you. Just see the ridiculousness of the position that you would have something so huge in your eye and you would be completely unaware of it. And Jesus is saying, not just that, you have a log in your eye and you're claiming that you can still notice a speck in somebody else's. You're claiming you can see well enough to be able to point out someone else's flaws. Jesus is using this ridiculous image to show us that when we allow ourselves to engage in judgmental behavior, when we allow ourselves, it might feel good in the moment. We might have a moment of feeling self-righteous, proud, like we're in the right. But he's saying, your perspective, your vision is totally clouded. You are not seeing anything right. You are completely blind to the true state of other people. But perhaps more seriously, you are totally blind to the true state of your own heart. See, Jesus here doesn't just say, let's stop being judgmental. It's bad, it's nasty, just stop it. No, no, no. He says he wants to see, wants us to see what judging people really does to us, makes us proud, makes us self-righteous, makes us blind. We can't really see ourselves. 
And in his kindness, Jesus has just come to expose this in us. That where we might just want to look out and see faults in other people, put them under the microscope, Jesus just gently comes and just says, let's just turn that around. Let's turn that microscope around that we might see ourselves more clearly. That Jesus is saying here that the way of the kingdom, the way of following him, is not to be blind. To not have a log in our eye that we are completely unaware of and impairs our vision. This is Jesus' call on us to be ones who have self-examination and will look at the state of our own hearts. Much later on in the Bible, Paul, in um, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 puts it like this. He says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Think of yourself with sober judgment. Rather than the judgment being on other people, putting that scrutiny on yourself. This is without a doubt hard and painful because what this is really is it's an invitation for us to truly look inside of our own hearts and see something that we do not want to see. How much easier is it to just scroll on social media and get right up there on your high horse and just to be silently thinking to yourself, I would never dress like that or I would never waste my money on that or I would never use that kind of language or perhaps to see another parent at the park and see them perhaps lose their temper at one of uh, one of their children and then just think silently in your own heart I would never speak to my own children like that just to use a, a personal non-real example completely Jesus is saying that if we want to be people who truly flourish, we need to take all of the scrutiny we would offer to other people and turn it on ourselves. Fairly early on in COVID, I managed to clock how easy I would find it to just drift into, I'm going to spend my time on social media and I am going to set up this private law court within my own heart and I will just sit and silently condemn other people that are doing things that I don't agree with or whatever and how easy it is to slip into that even as a Christian and I caught myself and just thought is this really who I want to be is this really what I want to do is this really good for me and I resolved in that moment in this unique once in a generation moment that we are facing in the global pandemic I just said to myself no I I want to be as aware as I possibly can of what God might want to do with me and do in my own heart. And so this naturally led to more time with him. It naturally led to more times of self-reflection and of sober self-judgment, although I wouldn't have known that that's what it was and wouldn't have called it that at the time. And this last year, I would say, has been one of the most uncomfortable years of my life. Not just because of lockdown, but because of what I've learned about myself and what Jesus has shown me about myself. 
that my heart is nowhere near as pure as I would have liked to have thought that it was. And by his grace, he has uncovered and shown me areas of sin that have been in my life, new weaknesses that I didn't know that I have. He's exposed idolatry in my own heart, ways that I thought I thought I was just living all in for Jesus, but actually it was a bit adrift. And maybe I was living more for myself or my own desires than I realized. And most of these things that he revealed to me, they weren't just new things that have only just come up, but things that were, have been there all along that I was only just coming to a knowledge of. That I have seen more of who I really am through this process. And as Jesus has just peeled back some of the layers of my own heart, and shown me that I really am not morally perfect. I mean, you'd be pleased to hear that I wouldn't have claimed that I was morally perfect to begin with, but just seen all the more that that really isn't who I am, that I don't have any high horse to sit on. I have found that it is just harder to judge other people and to take a position of moral superiority when I have really started to see who I am and the condition of my own heart. And I think in this whole process, in this whole passage, we see once again how radically counterintuitive and inclusive this kingdom of Jesus really is. Who would you expect that this kingdom of God would be for? Surely it would be for the holy. Surely it would be for the morally perfect. Surely it would be for the ethically superior surely for those who can prove their righteousness surely those should be the ones that could get in but here we see now the ones that God is really looking for the ones that he wants to draw into his kingdom are not those who have it all together and are the most righteous he is looking for those who are willing to look inside of their own hearts and see just how unrighteous they are. This kingdom is only for the broken. Only for the poor in spirit. For those willing to turn the microscope on themselves and with clear eyes see our own sin. And this takes intentional action. Paul's words were, do not think of yourself and then but rather think of yourself and then Jesus's words here are do not judge and then verse 5 take the log out of your eye these are imperative commands here the Paul and Jesus are both laying out the onus is on us to be active to take responsibility to do something about it Essentially, what Jesus' point here is that we are never going to just drift away from judgmentalism. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen by accident. It's not enough for us to just think, oh, well, I've heard the teaching now. It was pretty interesting. I'm going to mull on it for a little bit. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You need to act. He speaks here with such clarity and with such seriousness. He says that the judgmental spirit is simply not compatible 
with living in the kingdom of God. And the only way to be free from it is to see ourselves properly as we are. And so I want to urge you, if you are feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit in this area this morning, if you feel that he is pointing something out in your heart, take active steps with this to do something about it. Make space in your life for self-examination. Take conscious choices to look inside rather than to look at other people. Be ruthlessly honest with yourself and think, where are there sinful habits and patterns starting to emerge in my heart and life? Where are they and how can I spot them? Take time to ask God. Just come before him. One prayer that I found quite helpful is just coming to him and saying, God, if there was one area in my life that you would want to change, one area of sin that you would want to point out, what is it? Where is it? Eliminate distractions. Turn your phone off. Take a break from social media. Do whatever it takes to make space for you to be able to reflect on this. And then I love how Jesus continues in verse 5 where he says, take the log out of your eye. He continues just as practical. He says, I don't just want you to be aware of the fact that there is a log in your eye. I want it out. Jesus is saying, I want you to be free. He is addressing all of this because he wants us to thrive. He wants us to be satisfied. He wants us to be living the good life. So I'm going to point it out to you so that you can get it out, so that you can be free. Take the log out. Take steps to deal with the sin that you see as it comes up. As you look into your heart, you see things that you know God would want to be rid of. Take them out. He's been ruthlessly practical here, Jesus. He's saying as we look inside and we see it, this is repentance, this is confession before God, this is naming what we see and saying to God, I am sorry. I now see, I didn't see it before, but God, now I see. And as I've seen what is going on in my heart, God, I want you to help me. Will you help me change? I want to put this to death. I want to walk away from it. Now I see myself truly. This is not who I want to be. God, I need your help. It's confessing the, the judgmentalism. It's confessing the pride. It's confessing the arrogance and saying, God, it, this is, I see this is who I have been. I don't want to be this anymore. Will you change me? Take the log out and receive grace all over again. Because this is the beauty of this passage, that the whole process from start through to the end is grace, grace, grace. The goodness of God, the goodness of a saviour saying, come into my kingdom, walk in this way. That as we look again at the true state of our heart, as we see our sin all over again, it's not so that we would be condemned. Not so that we would pay the price for it, but so that we can see all over again just how much we have been forgiven. It reminds me of the sinful woman that Jesus encounters in Luke chapter 7 where she finishes the account rejoicing because she knows the state of her own heart and she knows how much she has been forgiven. 
to see the depths of our sin is to truly understand once again how great our Savior is, that we have been forgiven much. And while all of this is vital and essential that we get hold of on an individual level, we will never be free if we don't. Verses 5 and 6 also show us how essential it is for us as we look to serve others and we look to reach others. Because as we get free, other people can get free. Verse 5. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. When we are blind, we can't see clearly to help other people and to truly serve them. But when we can see, we are able to help other people truly experience freedom. As Jesus sits here on this mountain proclaiming this is the way of the kingdom, he is not looking to just try and convert a ton of individual people to be walking his way. He is looking to form a kingdom community, a group of people who are following him and are dedicated to him, but are totally dependent on one another to live this life and to walk this way. He is creating a people who cannot exist apart from one another. I think we overlook this so often, particularly we're quite an individualized culture nowadays. We forget that when Jesus forms his church, our lives become woven together in ways that we cannot flourish without one another. And what this means is that there are people in this room, there are people watching along online who have splinters in their eye that as you get free, you will help take them out and help them get free. That they need you to be free if they are going to get free. That's a responsibility, isn't it? But that's what we're made to be. That when you go through the pain and the process of self-examination, of seeing yourself all over again, repenting before God, getting free, you're not just doing it for your own freedom, you're doing it to help a church get free. And you're doing it to help a city get free. Because this is where Jesus goes in verse 6. It's one of the most ambiguous verses in the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a real confusing one. There's dogs, there's pearls, there's holy things, there's pigs. Let me just read it very quickly. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Most likely what Jesus is saying here is he is trying to balance out what he has just said in verses 1 through to 5. That he's saying, although disciples are not to judge they are also not to lack discernment. He's saying that there is a right and a wrong. There are people who will behave like pigs and like dogs. But it's only when the log has been removed from our eye where we can see clearly ourselves and other people that we will be able to discern between those who are pigs and dogs and those that are not. And what is most likely in this verse is that Jesus is talking about the taking of the message of the kingdom of God, taking the gospel out to those who do not yet know. And so what he's saying is, 
when your log from your eye has been removed, when you start to really see yourself and other people clearly, that is when you are able to discern and more readily uh, be able to share the gospel and work out, is that person ready to hear? Or in what way? Or how can I present the gospel in a way that's sensitive and wise to this person? I can identify people who, if I say this and, and this issue, maybe they would attack. And so maybe I can present it in this way more strategically. And so Jesus is saying, this is not just about our own freedom. This is about being a family together. This is about loving one another properly and truly so that we can correct and shape one another. But this is also about our mission, also about us reaching out and serving the city of Manchester. This is vital for the advance of the kingdom. And this king of the kingdom, Jesus, is saying, do not judge. Because judgment doesn't belong to us. As he sits on this mountain proclaiming the way of the kingdom. He is proclaiming that one day he will sit as judge. That he with eyes of total clarity, he with eyes that of total discernment, he will separate what is right from what is wrong. That if we know and we follow him, finally he will establish a community that is perfectly just. And then when he establishes that community, there will be no more judgment. Then we will be morally perfect. We will be a totally sanctified and pure community. We'll love in, live in love and joy together. We won't be tempted in any way to condemn one another because there will be nothing to condemn. And he's calling us to live in this kingdom now, to be a church that is shaped by not condemnation, but humility of self-awareness and self-examination of love, humility and forgiveness. Would the band like to come up? We are going to finish our time um, with one final song. And I, I want this song to be a time of reflection for us and a, a time of just working out, is there something that I need to do as a result of this? That perhaps as you've heard Jesus' words today, you've realized there is something that I need to just bring before God in this moment. And this might be an ongoing process for you, but I want to, I'll come back at the end, just want to make a moment for some of us to respond and do something, do something with God today to deal with this. So we'll sing one more song and then I'll come back and lead us in a response.